The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome from Burlington, Ontario. The Rebel Road has traveled to Canada, and we have had some amazing shows in Toronto, in Burlington, and yesterday I was in Halifax. The beauty of the Rebel Road, it is diving into the unknown and really experiencing oneself because I got to the point where I decided who I was had gotten me as far as I wanted to go, and I wanted to experience aliveness in a way that I never have, and I wanted to follow life, allowing it to be truly organic in nature, leading and guiding me every step of the way while I followed the signs, symbols, and synchronicities like I speak about in my own book, Conversations with the Universe. Well, I cannot imagine a more perfect individual to have on than my guest tonight because he knows that what keeps us from our joy is the menacing assumption that life is happening other than where we are. So we're always leaving, running from, or running to. And all the while, joy rises like a summer wind waiting for us to grow in the large open as willows it can sing through. Yet failing to grow in the open, we can be worn to it. Through working with what we are given, Till it wears us through seems to be the grace we resist. That is exactly what I have lived. I had to surrender and let life work through me until I got to this point that I allowed myself to be free. And so I'm really excited today to have Mark Nepo, who is an amazing poet and philosopher who has taught in the fields of poetry and spirituality for 40 years. He's a New York Times number one best-selling author and has published 14 books and recorded eight audio projects. His recent works are Reduced to Joy, 7,000 Ways to Listen, which won the 2012 Books for Better Life Award, Staying Awake, Holding Nothing Back, As Far as the Heart Can See, Finding Inner Courage, and Surviving Has Made Me Crazy. I'm really excited to just give you a full experience of Mark Nepo in all of his different works and allow you to really get to know this gentleman if you have not, and also to invite you to tune in to own network feature of him on Super Soul Sunday, November 10th and 17th. So consider this a nice, beautiful precursor to that, and then definitely tune in. Um, we're going to be talking about his book, Reduced to Joy, which was recently released, but also get into some of his amazing other works, his book of Awakening and 7,000 Ways to Listen. Welcome, Mark Nepo, to 1111 Talk Radio. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. Well, you know, I think that you certainly would know about aliveness because you came to the edges of really knowing what it was like to succumb to something like cancer and really had the time where you had to maybe be still and allow possibly a part of you that had not really come forth yet to come forth and finally speak. Talk about that time 
of, of really having to sit still and move through that process of knowing where you were and feeling it in that way? Well, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 62, and the heat of that journey was in my mid-30s, about three years where, um, you know, it was very difficult, and I went through uh, many things. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that happened to me then and has since, but of course much more acutely then, was that, you know, we, where all of us, uh, sometimes through excitement and passion and sometimes because other people are, are pushing us or chasing us, we're always running from, from where we are. And life has other ways of teaching us, as it did with me. And so, you know, I was busy in my mid-30s um, trying to make a contribution to excited about hoping to change things and reveal things. And then suddenly life was changing me. You know, suddenly everything was upended and I was forced to stop. I was forced to be still. I was forced to turn to everything that was not me and be open so that I could discover me. And, and in there is one of the paradoxes that is central, I have found, to, to the whole nature of, of our being here. You know, uh, We can go all the way back to Plato who said that we are born whole, W-H-O-L-E, but we need each other to be complete. Mm. And so... There's this paradox, you know, I need to, of course, spend time with myself and process my own experience honestly to understand who I am and what are my inborn gifts, but it doesn't, it doesn't really come out into the open until I mix with you, until everyone, until we meet each other openly and honestly, then who we are blossoms. And, you know, we can look at this and there's examples of it everywhere. You know, one is in, in very much how things blossom and break ground. So you have a seed. doesn't matter what it is. Trees, plants, bushes, flowers, fruit is a seed. And it, it awakes in the dark. It, it, it doesn't yet know the ground it will break or the light it will see. And somehow it grows in both directions. It sends out roots and it sprouts. And so this is, this is really below doctrine and all things and different faiths. This is what faith is really about. It stays faithful to its own authority of being that's just it. A seed doesn't sit there and clamor to be a flower or to be a blossom or say, I can't Not wait to right. be a flower. It really anchors in what it is and sits in that space of now. When you're talking about that running from something and not staying with where we are and trying to escape, um, can you speak to some examples so people understand what that looks like? Because I think some people may be in their lives. You know, we get to these places of numbness and these places of, of, of deadness or not fully awakeness. Um, and it's so hard sometimes to say, okay, yeah, that's how I do it, unless we hear an example of how we do it. Can you list some? 
Well, sure. You know, I think we all we all do, and this again, all of us do this, and we never we're always struggling. That's part of being human. So I do it. I still do it all the time. We we slip into things when when I rather than being still enough to hear the music of my own heart, I run after experience. I run into a crowd. I force myself to bump into the noise of others to try to feel the aliveness and the music of life rather than hear it in myself. And of course, that's stimulating to a point, but then it doesn't really work or or take hold because we haven't heard it in ourselves, so there's nothing in us to connect with what we meet out there. You know, so another example is, you know, well, a classic example is what I call, you know, running from death. Uh, And that is when we, uh, you know, we can't allow there to be a moment of silence or stillness. And, you know, we exercise 50 hours a week or we climb every single mountain there is to climb or we, you know run you know and there's nothing wrong with these activities it's the out of balance it's when we look for something outside to satisfy an inner thirst or hunger so it sounds almost as if that running is our way of really having a revolution um when what we're trying to do is really evolve but what we perhaps uh, can do that would serve us the most is most more of an involution where we're really within the self and feeling and understanding and so much of the way that your writing sounds where you're really tapping into the details and the senses of yeah. what you're experiencing. So let me share a very, this is a very short poem that's in the new book called Written While Running. Hmm. Sometimes I move so fast it hurts. Though the things coming at me, they're not moving at all. They are soft and inviting. It's approaching them as if they will vanish that makes them sharp. Running into any point makes it a knife. Mm. Yeah, running into any point makes it a knife. Mm. So... You know, it's also like, so, so yeah, so, you know, this opens us to the need. One of the most quiet courages I think there is, is the courage of opening, opening our fists like a flower, opening our heart slowly and gently, meeting whatever there is before us, as if we've never seen it before or met it before. Even, especially, people we know and know well. So, you know, my wife and I, Susan, we've been together 20 years. I know her very, very well. And yet, the kind of openness we're talking about that I aspire to, that I don't always do because I'm human, is to meet her freshly tomorrow morning and say, who who are you now? Mm. I know you, but I don't know you. And I love you, and therefore I want to know who you are now, not who you were yesterday. 
So, Mark, to do that, to really be able to honor another in that way, do we need to start every morning asking that first of ourselves so that we know that we're that new every single day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and it's a paradox, and I, I talk a lot about paradox because it's been one of my greatest teachers, so let's for a moment, let me say what, for me what paradox is, at, at the simplest is, it's any moment where more than one thing is true. And, and this is how the wholeness, the unity of life speaks to us in its power, in its beauty, because it's all unified. And the mind can't solve paradox. We can only open our heart to the, when, thing, when more than one thing feels true. And then, then somehow our heart will teach us in ways the mind can't quite understand. So, so now to move back to your question is, yes, on the one hand, there is a central part in me, in each of us, an inborn spirit that is, uh, a, is constant at the deepest center. But how we enter the world in daily life the form of who we are changes and emerges constantly. And if we don't stay true to letting that constant part meet everything that comes to us, uh, then it, it doesn't get to see the light of day. So we're constantly doing, you know, doing both. There's a, a rabbi, Jonathan Omerman, and he has a beautiful definition of integrity that speaks to this. He says, he says, you know, integrity is listening to the place inside that doesn't change, though the life that carries it does. Powerful. In life, obstacles are teachers. This is hard to accept, especially when we're in the midst of troubles. There is no escaping difficulty, though, because difficulty is always a part of our experiences. It's how we hold the difficulty that lets us move through it. The deeper way to uncover any experience is not trying to analyze it, nor trying to sort it or decode it, but to take very small steps to let it in, to let it work us and to see what's there right before us, because often that's where the simplest teachers present themselves. These are the words of Mark Nepo, poet, philosopher, and best-selling author of many books. His recent release is Reduced to Joy, and he is very well known for 7,000 Ways to Listen in Book of Awakening. You can find out more about Mark at marknepo.com. That's M-A-R-K-N-E-P-O.com. And definitely tune in to OWN Network. November 10th and 17th, Super Soul Sunday features with Mark. He is going to be discussing his cancer journey on November 10th and the life lessons that were incurred through that. And on November 17th, expand into the thoughts in Reduced to Joy and 7,000 Ways to Listen. We'll be right back with Mark Nika. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... 
People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. If you are not familiar with 1111 Magazine, please know that you can tap into simran-singh.com or 1111mag.com and get your free subscription. This is a magazine that I give to humanity, and every issue is jam-packed with amazing individuals sharing their unique genius in the world. Beautiful writings come in from authors and writers all over the world, and they are just filled with wisdom and beauty, along with the graphics. So definitely tap into your free subscription anytime and allow it to support you on your own journey. In addition, you can follow the daily diary of the Rebel Road as I share insights on the road of the different lessons and signs and symbols that are picked up so that you can find your own place of trust and courage as you embark on whatever path your heart is seeking to embark on. From the, word, from the writings of Mark Nepo, let no one keep you from your journey, no rabbi or priest, no mother who wants you to dig for treasures she misplaced, no father who won't let one life be enough, no lover who measures their worth by what you might give them, no voice that tells you in the night it can't be done. Let nothing dissuade you from seeing what you see or feeling the winds that make you want to dance alone or go where no one has yet to go. You are the only explorer, your heart, the unreadable compass, your soul, the shore of a promise too great to be ignored. I love that. That is from Mark Nepo, poet and philosopher, best-selling author that is my guest today. You can find out more about him at marknepo.com. Mark, I think there are many people that have dreams that are sitting in their guts. And they go through life thinking, one day I will do this. I think even myself, there's always this tiny voice that says, one day, Simran, you're going to be able to just sit and write 24-7 because you know that's what you absolutely love to do. <laughs> so did you allow yourself to be that? Or over time, did you finally realize, I can, I can not only have this gift that I possess, but I can now share this and know fully that this is who I'm here to be? Yeah, you know, I think that... Um, And let me answer that by first saying I I really believe that every person is born with a gift. And our our job is to find it and befriend it. And and let me just say one other thing, and then I'll talk about for me personally. So we all know the word genius. And genius in our culture 
in the modern age, it's reserved for people like Mozart or Einstein, you know, or um, Itzhak Perlman, you know, people who have this amazing, brilliant capacity in one particular area. And certainly, the, you know, that, those, are ama- those are amazing. However, the original definition of the word genius is attendant spirit. Mm. And everyone, it was not reserved for the brilliant or the specially gifted. Originally, the word genius was to help everyone know that everybody has a genius. Everybody has an attendant spirit. That's our soul, if you want to call it. And this is where the word genie comes from. And the whole, you know, Aladdin's, you rub the, the lamp and, and, you know, you'll get your wish. Well, that was really a metaphor for, you know, rubbing your own worth into being and then you will become what you were born to be. Mm, it's like we're each genies in a physical body and all we have to do is rub into that heart and what we really yeah. want. So, you know, so early on for me, before I had any understanding of what spirit was or what being a poet was or writing or anything, as a little, as a little boy... The world and God just spoke to me through metaphor when I was alone, and I didn't even know what that was, what metaphor was. But when I was alone, I was never alone. I was listening to the wordless conversation of wind through trees and the clouds and water and, you know, and the spaces between people. And, and you know, that kept me company, and that kept me, uh, and everything was alive as long as I was still and watching it, and then I was in conversation with it. So it was only until, you know, when I was in high school and the first woman I fell in love with um, dumped me and broke my heart, and um, and I didn't really have any friends. I, I wasn't alone. You know, I had a lot of acquaintances, but I didn't have friends till I got into college. So I, in order to deal with that heartache, I started writing. I started a conversation. I thought I was talking to myself, but I really began a conversation with the universe. And so when I healed, I kept, I kept going. And so this leads to another important thing about, which leads to how you started by asking about, you know, that there's probably many folks who are listening to us who are wondering about their gift or their aspirations or what they hope they could be. And I, I think that what I discovered is like that genie in the bottle, we are already, we are already it. You know, we're already there, and we just have to open our hearts to it. I think one of the, the real problems in our age is that the, the manufacturing model, the, com, the model of commercialism is so unconsciously imprinted on everything. It's even imprinted on our creativity. So, you know, someone noticed along the way that I could write or speak well, and they said, oh, you should become a writer. And someone else liked to move through the air at recess, and then someone said, you should be a dancer. And someone liked to sing, and then someone said, yeah, you should become a singer. But you notice there's nothing wrong with these aspirations, but what's happening? We are instructed to become a noun. Mm. 
when the aliveness resides in staying a verb, your soul just wants you to sing, whether you become a, quote, singer or not. And then what? Then if we become a singer, then, well, how do we judge that? Oh, well, are you recorded? Have you sung in front of other people or just alone? So then it gets farther and farther away from the fact that our aliveness and our soul said, there is joy in singing, sing. There is joy in dancing, dance. You want to keep your hands in the ground, just put your hands in the ground. You don't need to become a gardener. And so I learned, you know, and I learned because I did try to become a writer and I worked very hard and I, you know, like every young writer, I was rejected everywhere and I kept pushing and, you know, spending struggling time in in trying to be recognized. And then it was only after many, many years, almost 20 years, that in the heart of my cancer journey, while I was lying in a hospital bed, that my first two books were accepted for publication. And, of course, I was happy, but I was not thrilled the way I would have been before all that. And of course, I'm happy today. I'm 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 delighted that that the new book of poems is out. But it's not the same as living. Living is the original art, and we are forever asked to dance that dance. Speak a little more to that, um, so that people understand what you're saying with that distinction of living, because. I, I get with a lot of your writings, you talk about how, and, and Reduced to Joy is very much that, that we are going through experiences that kind of wear us down until we experience our joy, but is that not the living, or are you speaking of just our whole approach of, of innocence and uh, excitement that we come in with that somehow disappears? Well, when I was ill, the, I had a vision of the great, uh, Chinese poet Tu Fu from the 700s in the Tang Dynasty, and and I was as a young as a young poet, I was, um, you know, I was trying to ask him about fame and greatness and being a great poet, and I was I was trying to find him by going up this mountain because I thought he would be at the top of the mountain, of course, and as I was going up, he was coming down, and he was in a hurry it turns out, to find his loved ones. He had been away. And I was asking him about it, and he didn't really want to bother with my questions. And finally he stopped kind of frustrated with this young poet who wanted to know about greatness and all this stuff. And he looked at me and he said, if you can't see what you're looking for, see what's there. It's enough. Mm. And what... I, I took that to mean, and what experience has taught me is that everything that we dream, everything that we want, everything that we aspire to, it's wonderful to have dreams, but we put, even there, we make a product out of it. We make an end goal out of it. We make like, oh, if I don't arrive at what I imagined, I'm a failure. When I've learned that all those dreams are kindling for the fire of being alive that we can't know until we're in it. 
so, you know, in root, like every book I've written is not the book I started. Mm. So I've had every one I've blueprinted and planned and outlined and imagined. But after the first few, I understood that that was the necessary kindling until finally whatever was at the heart of each book would say, okay, I see you're serious. I see you're committed. I will, I will show you what it's really about. Pay attention. And then the book really starts. Then the book really starts, much like as I'm sure you're experiencing going from city to city. You, you, you kind of aim somewhere, but you have no idea of who you're going to meet and what those conversations will do to you and what aliveness it will bring out of you. So all of this to say that, you know, we all hate to have things get in the way. We all hate to have obstacles. But the nature of being alive is that what's in the way is the way. And what I've seen from your writing and heard from many of your different speaking is so much of what I, when I embarked on the Rebel Road, it was about truly just the experience. No measurements, no outcomes, didn't matter if one person was in the room or a thousand, because this was about me just experiencing. Is that what you're talking about when you're talking about the aliveness? Is, is the midst of experience that happens rather than, okay, now the book's finished. Okay, now it's published. Okay, now there's a crowd there waiting for me. But literally that process of creation is the place of aliveness. Yes. You know, yes, we are. You know, it's wonderful you know, the, all the wonderful things that have happened to my work and the wonderful people I get to meet and talk to like you and, and where I go and teach. It's all, it all offers more and more opportunities to be in relationship with life and the living. It's all horizontal, not vertical. I'm not climbing anywhere. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. This is where we are, and this is this is this is heaven on earth. If we are open, if we can open our hearts, and we don't stay open all the time because we're human. You know, the medieval monks, Christian monks, asked how they practiced their faith. They said by falling down and getting up. <laughs> yeah, by falling down and getting up. So we might stumble to in our talk tonight into some clear passages and. Uh, then I'll get off tonight and I'll have to put the garbage out and I'll trip or I'll stub my toe and then I'll get tired and cranky and tomorrow I'll, I won't be so clear and articulate and then I'll spend time and be still and say, where am I now? Where, where am I in relation to this miracle? So, you know, everything in life, you know, trees, windows, Everything gets filmed over by experience. And then love and introspection and expression and creation of any form takes that film off. And this is the life of being and becoming. When we move into the world, we get dirty, we get scarred, we get uh, filmed over. And then we learn from that. And then our inner world, our inner work, gets the window clean again, heals the cuts and bruises. So the goal is not to stay clean or get dirty. 
you know, and we have people and traditions or uh, ways of being that fall on either side of that. You know, we have the puritanical kind of life that wants to stay pure or purify or stay out of the messiness of living. And we have the other extreme where we fall prey to that's all there is. I'm just going to get I'm just going to get dirty and stay dirty and um that's what it's all about. And at least for me, you know, I I feel that it's not one or the other. We are asked to continually become and then work our way back to being and become and work our way back to being. Even at an unconscious level, we grow each time that happens. We wear many, many faces. Martin Nepo says in his book, Reduced to Joy, in a poem entitled Three Faces, I have carried three faces across my life. Though from within, it's clear they have carried me. A woman who can stare through the leaves of any tree, who names the tree by the birds who sing in it. A man who works hard at clearing paths in order to stop where the path ends and listen. And a small child with the heart of a horse, eager to sniff out anything alive and run to it. Together they have led who I thought was was through openings wide enough for only what is essential. This is from Reduced to Joy, recently released in 2013. His other... Um, most known books are 7,000 Ways to Listen in the Book of Awakening. His work has been translated into more than 20 languages, and he is a best-selling author. Connect with Mark Nepo at marknepo.com. We'll be right back. This is the 7th Wave Channel. On the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. For all that has been written, for all that has been read, 
We are led to this instant where one of us will speak and one of us will listen, as if no one has ever placed an oar into that water. It does not matter how we come to this. We may jump to it or be worn to it. Because of great pain or a sudden raw feeling that this is all very real. It may happen in a parking lot when we break the eggs in the rain or watching each other in our grief. But here we will come with very little left in the way. When we meet like this, I may not have the words, so let me say it now. Nothing compares to the sensation of being alive in the company of another. It is God breathing on the embers of our soul. Stripped of causes and plans and things to strive for, I have discovered everything I could need or ask for is right here, in flawed abundance. We cannot eliminate hunger, but we can feed each other. We cannot eliminate loneliness, but we can hold each other. We cannot eliminate pain, but we can live a life of compassion. Ultimately, we are small living things awakened into the stream, not gods who carve out rivers. Like human fish, we are asked to experience meaning in the life that moves through the gill of our heart. There is nothing to do and nowhere to go. Accepting this, we can do everything and go anywhere. This is one of the poems that Mark Nico shares on his website, and there are many beautiful ones. If you're not familiar with his work, you can also find out about his many courses and other books, audio CDs that are available. In addition, um, some previews and some writings of his upcoming appearance on Super Soul Sunday, November 10th and 17th, where he discusses his cancer journey and life lessons, where he also goes into his new book, Reduced to Joy, and his very celebrated book, 7,000 Ways to Listen. Mark, you spoke about a couple of things in the last segment I want to get back to, and one of those um, has to do with listening. So I'm going to start there and then kind of wind my way back to what I really want to ask. Sure. But is this about this, this way of listening? I know that when you wrote the book 7,000 Ways to Listen, you wrote it. The title comes from if there's 7,000 ways to speak in languages around the world, there must be 7,000 ways to listen. Is it that we are needing to listen to the outside world? Are we needing to listen to the inside? I think so many of us are so busy talking that we don't know when and how to listen. Well, I think, I think yes to all of it. <laughs> I, think, I think we are asked to listen. Listening is the way that we stay in touch with everything that matters, and, which is always there. You know, uh, the sun never stops shining, though clouds get in the way. And the sun doesn't stop shining because some people are blind. So the essence of life, the aliveness, the life force, the, the oneness and mystery of everything is like that sun. It's constantly shining. And by the nature of life, things grow in the way in ourselves and in others. And we are asked if we want to stay close to aliveness and we want to live and be who we are as fully as we can be, we have to listen. And what does that mean? That means, to me, it doesn't mean just with our ears. It means being as present in all ways, in all directions as we can be at any given moment. As we've been talking, no one can stay in that state constantly because we're human the being in us 
can, but the human in us can't. So we're like lightning in a bottle, <laughs> the human being. Mm. <laughs> the limp, yeah. And so, and that, that's probably the biggest paradox we carry around constantly. So it's not to blame ourselves. It's to understand the physics, the spiritual physics of being human. So we are asked, you know, and you, what you were saying, I, I believe is so true, is that we are so ready. It's happening, you know, right now. I mean, not to get into all that, but it's happening in a big way in Washington. It's happening, you know, everywhere. Where the, the less we listen, the more we insist on our own way. Mm. Out of fear, the more insecure we get, the more we try to make the world into our image. Okay. Make the world into our image. That's into a powerful our image. image. So we keep seeking to replicate. The, the more insecure and fearful we are, the more alone we feel, the more we tend to want to self-replicate, make everything into us. And actually, that is biologically what cancer is. Mm. Cancer are cells that self-replicate at all cost. They will wow. eat the whole to satisfy the part. So the cancer in our society, psycho-spiritually, is self-centeredness. We turn, when we're self-centered, out of fear, and everybody, everybody gets self-centered. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that in itself. It's one of the thousand moods of being alive. But when we turn that moment of self-centeredness into a philosophy, into a value, into a way of life, now it's running the show. And now it becomes cancerous, if you will. Now we seek to turn everything we meet into us. And this, this is at the heart. You, all, you know of the, the Greek myth about Midas. Yeah. who, you know, he actually saved the father of a god, of a Greek god. He took care of him, he was lost, and he brought him back to his home. So it was a good, it was a loving, good deed. And he was given one wish, and he wished, in his greed, to be able to turn things into gold. So he was given the Midas touch. Well, we all know what happened very quickly. Everything he touched, without he couldn't control it. Everything he touched turned to gold. Pretty soon, at first, he was pretty excited about that. But then he got hungry, and every yes. piece of food he touched turned to gold. His daughter, who he touched, turned to gold. And now he cried out, take this away, take this away. Because we can't survive on our own image. So, so how do we, you know, so we are asked when we are more secure and when we listen more, when we open our hearts, then everything comes in to complete us, to round us out, to bring us alive. And so that being present when we can return, and we are lucky because 
you know, just as the eyes blink and close how many times a day and you got to inhale and then exhale and so you expand and then you you contract and so the heart does this too. We're open and then we're closed and then we're we welcome everything and then we're self-centered. And so it's fine as long as we keep breathing and the way that the heart breathes is to listen without conclusion without assumption, without knowing, you know, so often when we're in conversation, we, how many times, all of us, we, are, we think we know what we're, we hear like three or four words, and in fact, people are um, admired if, if they can figure out what someone's going to say before they say it. Mm-hmm. And then, we're thought sophisticated, if we already have an answer prepared before they even finish. None of that has anything to do with meeting the unlived moment. It gets in the way. I need to stand before you with the quiet courage where I open my heart and I don't know what you're going to say. In fact, what you say may change my life. So I don't even know how I'll respond until I let what you say touch me. So there's, so there's a, and I talk about this in 7,000 Ways to Listen, but one way to imagine the kind of mechanics of this, if you will, of listening, is, you know, like in sports, like right now the baseball playoffs are starting. So, you know, when a batter learns to swing... It's broken down. You know, they stand, they pull the bat back, they swing and they shift their weight and they follow through. But when they learn it, it's very natural. It's all one motion. Well, listening, we take in, we reflect, and then we express. We do this when we, when we feel like we're not listening, we can go back just the way a batter who loses his swing goes back to the mechanics. We can go back and break it down and say, I need to listen first. I need to take in what I'm experiencing here and understand, okay, this is what you said or this is what I just experienced. And now I need to reflect on it. Well, how does that feel and what does it mean and does it mean anything and how is it touching me? Where is it touching me? And then, after we digest, internalize that, now we're ready to say, okay, I I received it, I reflected on it, now I'm ready to express how I feel about all that, what my questions are, what my confusions are, what, what it makes me move toward. So, we all have to stop and slow down when we go too fast and say, okay, let's break this down again. Listen, reflect, express. In our being that homogenized human that you talked about where we are all being the same, we're trying to create everyone else in the image of ourselves, is that where we're creating the chaos so that we have more of the white noise where we're not able to listen? Well, I think what we we create we create a world that is so singular 
that it can't survive. You know, nothing in nature, nature, the diversity of nature is its health. You know, if we only, if, if when all the, the insects and birds pollinated spring, if they all just were forced to pollinate one kind of flower, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't have spring. You wouldn't have fruit, you wouldn't have food, the seasons would dissolve. So it's the same thing with the human spring. When we, out of our fear, insist on that the world be just like us, even though secretly we want it to be more than just us, but that's where we feel safe. It's a false safety. When we do that, everything becomes so singular and homogenous that it can't, it can't survive. And so there's a, like a doom loop because the more we do that, there's no way out and nothing is satisfying. This is, you know, this is kind of a description of what happens with addiction. And, you know, the, the addictions that we know of, whether they, the, you know, all of our, you know, kind of long-time favorites, drink and drugs and sex and everything, they're, they're, those are only the big ones that make a lot of noise, but there's addictions to success. There's addictions to what I call uh, experience, greed. You know, that I'm going to go and I'm a rock climber. I'm going to go and climb every mountain there is in the world. And then we go so fast that we, we miss what's right in front of us. There is love greed. There is, you know, there is the want, I'm going to love everybody. I'm, I want to have as many lovers as possible. I want to have as many friends as possible. Well, that all starts in a good place, but the humility of being human is you can't care for in an infinite amount of people. And each of us has to find what are the number of people that I can care for well, mm. knowing that that care, they will care for the number of people that they can care for well. And that's how we change the world, that it's, it's grandiose and it's hubris for me to think that I will love all those people infinitely. So That's I want it. to go back and touch on the different points that we've discussed here because sure. we talked about running and we talked about um, listening and we've talked about aliveness. And in the last segment, you talked about how things are either nouns or verbs. And when I heard that, I kind of also heard being versus doing. And I know that people struggle with that. You know, am I being? Is being the noun? Or am I doing, which is the verb, and I'm told not to be the doer, I'm supposed to be the beer. So where is the balanced place of that, or is the true doing of our soul nature the actual being? Well, yeah, so thank you. That's a wonderful thing to talk about. So, of course, you know, both are true. There's nothing wrong with being or doing. It's, it's when they are entered in a way that precludes the other. So, the being, the, why being is so important in our age is because we are out of balance in the doing. That we are moving so fast 
and multitasking so quickly. And the only thing that multitasking serves is efficiency. It does not serve aliveness. It does not serve the soul. Every spiritual tradition, all the meditative practices, all tell us we need to do one thing at a time if we are to know what it means to be here. Mm. So multitasking, even if we're good at it, doesn't serve us. (laughs) It serves the efficiency of whatever job we're in or of our own taskmaster. So this is the out-of-balance becoming. And so everything tells us to stop, to stop. So what? So that we can inhabit our becoming, our doing. When, When the soul is present to what it's doing, it's like a hand in a glove. It's all one. It's all one. So, you know, I, my exercise now is swimming. I mean, I've gone through a lot of different exercise through the years. Something doesn't work, I move on to something else. And <laughs> so now it's swimming, and I love it. And, you know, at first I did it for the physical, for the aerobics, and I'm in the lanes, and everybody is, like, you know, rushing through the water and almost violently, you know. And I discovered after a while that while I could swim fast, I didn't want to. Something in me wanted to move at the pace of the water. And I realized, I learned by this, that actually swimming now has become a moving meditation for me. Mm. It's where I relearn to be and do at the same time. So I try to move through the water without making any waves. And I go pretty slow. I mean, it's fast enough, but if I move too fast, I realize that my heart is left behind. When I do this, I get out of the pool and I feel thorough. I feel incredibly thorough is the only word I have for it. And so I think we're always asked... If you love something, and this is where we get back to the noun and the verb, if I am singing because I love to sing, then in those moments, the being and the doing are one. It's like when a surfer catches the wave. For that moment, the surfer and the wave are one. When I am caring for someone in their pain that I love, In that moment of complete care, they and me and the pain are one. And these are the moments that fuel us, that make... This is really where resilience comes from. And they... they, they, Yeah, they, they restore us. They renew us. So we can get through... Because no... You know, go back to the surfer, no wave lasts forever. Mm, beautiful. Mark, I want to thank you for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It has been truly an honor and a pleasure. Mark Nepo is emerging as one of the truly significant writers and thinkers of today. He has a singular way of distilling great truths down to their essence. 
You can find out more about him at marknepo.com. Definitely get his book, Reduced to Joy. And if you haven't read them, uh, get his book, To Awakening in 7,000 Ways to Listen. Uh, tap into his appearance on Super Soul Sunday on the OWN Network, November 10th and 17th. Until next time, in love, of love, with love, and as love. I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. We'll be right back.